welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, good morning again. And I do want to say, um, I don't know why my wife thinks she needs to catch up on laundry, you know, because of course, when she was gone, I kept up with things. <laughs> Mostly. And maybe laundry didn't happen quite as frequently or at all. But anyways, <laughs> honey, was the house clean when you got home? Were the dishes done when you got home? Did you see her head? She nodded yes, just in case anybody missed that. <laughs> well, we are in this uh, series called Veritas. And uh, Veritas actually means truth in Latin. And uh, we are on week four. Last week, we talked about how sin came into the world and how Satan did a really good job of convincing Adam and Eve to take a bite of that apple or that fruit, whatever, it, it, the type of fruit that it was. And he, he tricked them by saying this, did God actually say? And so often we've learned that doesn't he still do that to us today? Does God actually say, does the word of God actually say, we really challenged you to say, hey, you need to be in the word of God to really find out what God actually says. So when we are tempted and when we are trying to be deceived by the enemy, we can say, well, yes, like Jesus who was tempted in the wilderness, he says, but the word of God says this, so get lost. You know, don't you like to have that authority? Yeah, so Satan, you know what? You're tricking me, so get lost. Boom, knock him down. Take him out. So, have you been in the Word of God this week? We challenged you, I believe, Pastor Mike challenged you last week to read Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Did he ask you to do that? All right, how, how, well, maybe I don't want to ask how many people actually, I will. How many people actually read that? Hey, all right, good job. This is so important. If you didn't read it, read it this week. Ephesians 6, verses 9, uh, sorry, 10 through 19. Well, today, so that was last week. Today, so we, we know that we have a problem. So sin came into the world, and the problem was sin had some ramifications. And the worst of all the ramifications were that it created separation between God and his creation, humanity. Now, before you get too crazy and start blaming Adam and Eve, it's like, oh, come on, guys. Why did you wreck it for us? Now women have to go like through so much pain because birthing kids. By the way, they didn't have that until they sinned. But by the way, so just in case you're going to be blaming them and all upset at them, I would almost guarantee you that every single one of you and me would have been deceived as well. Why? Because God created us to have a free will. And in that free will, we can pick and choose what we follow and who we love and where we put our attention to. And Satan, he's crafty and he tricked them. But yes, those ramifications are horrible because it created a wedge between God and us. Have you ever create, had a wedge happen between you and somebody you care about? I remember as a kid, I, I was thinking about 
just pondering of, of times that there have been wedges between family members. I mean, those are the ones you love the most, right? Your family. Well, at least I hope you do. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I probably was in seventh grade. My brother was a year and a half older than me, always much larger than me. He's six foot four, but even at that stage, he was bigger and stronger. And, and I remember I was doing something that bothered him, and he, he manhandled, he, he picked me up, and he put me in my room and closed the door. I was so mad, so mad that he like forced me into my room and closed the door that I, I had this cannonball the size of a baseball. Please, children, do not do what I'm about to explain to you that I did. I took this cannonball off my shelf and I whipped it at the door. Split my door right in half. It was a wooden door. (laughs) But I remember inside, I was just like, now, I have a relationship with my brother because we're related. But my fellowship with my brother, I didn't want to hang out with my brother. My fellowship was broken because there was a a barrier that got crossed. How about you? Can you remember a time when a family member has done something, maybe a husband to a wife or vice versa, brother to a sister, mom to a son or daughter, son or daughter to a father? You're still in relationship, and listen to this. You will still be a son or a daughter. You're still related, but fellowship gets broken. You know those times, and you can feel it. It's like we exist together, but we're not together. We're not connecting. And this is really what happened in the garden. You see, God was the creator of his creation. That will never change. So they will always have that relationship. Creator with the created. It's like Dean Kamen. Do you know what Dean Kamen's known for? Segway. Segway. He's an inventor and he invented the Segway. You know those little two wheels that now you see, you know, mall cop um, stuff? (laughs) And he created that. He, will, he doesn't own the company anymore, but he will always be known as the creator of the Segway. That relationship will always be there. Same with God. We'll always be in relationship with God. Whether you are in fellowship is another question. But you'll always have the relationship of the creator to the created. So here's the problem. Adam and Eve was duped by Satan, took a bite of the forbidden fruit, and now sin entered the scene and it separated the fellowship that God so desperately wanted. If you turn with your, turn to your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 3, we, we read a portion of this last week, but I'm going to continue on for a little bit on this. Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. It says this, After they ate the fruit, this is what it says, The eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Or naked, however you want to say that. (laughs) And they 
sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They heard God walk. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. And they weren't hiding because they were naked. They've already sewn cloths together. But they hid because their fellowship was broken. But the Lord God called to man and said, where are you? Now, it's kind of silly that God would do this because he's God after all, and he knows where they are. But he says, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. This is what Adam says. I heard you, but I was afraid. See, he's insecure now in his position with God. The fellowship was broken, and now he knew something changed because he feels the awkwardness of, hey, I feel the shame of my nakedness. Something happened. He says, I was afraid. I was naked, and I hid myself. Well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to me, she made me do it. (laughs) Blame game doesn't work. Then the Lord God said to the woman, that is that which you have done. The woman said, the serpent deceived me. Can somebody read for me real quick, not read out loud, but find for me where then, then God takes an animal and he kills it? Perfect. Oh, 21. Here it is. I was reading 22. I was like, that's not right. So then God goes on, verse 20, the man called his wife, wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living things in verse 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. The reason why that that verse is so important, you have to understand what God has done right here for Adam and Eve. God took the initiative to reestablish fellowship. This is so important for us to hear. Well, he said this is like all in the very beginning, but what it does is it shows God's heart for you and me. God took the initiative, even though Adam and Eve were disobedient, caused sin to enter the world, what did God do? By the way, this is the first shedding of blood for the covering of sin. He takes an animal, he kills it, and he covers them. That's why I love singing that song this morning, because God's love covers us, and God himself took the initiative to cover Adam and Eve, to reestablish fellowship. God so loved Adam and Eve, he so loved his creation that even though Adam and Eve messed it up, God took the initiative to make it as right as it could be. 
The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Here we see the first shedding of blood. You see, God wanted fellowship back. And so God so pressed in to that situation, he knew what happened. But yet he still pursued them. He walked in the garden, even though Adam and Eve were hiding in shame. He was walking in the garden and said, what can I do to restore this fellowship, this relationship? The relationship was still there. It's the fellowship that was broken. So then we go on. And pretty much the rest of the Old Testament is about God trying to reestablish a fellowship with a people that he cares for. And how does he do it? He does it by establishing covenants. We call it the old covenant and the new covenant. Today we're talking about the old covenant. We have covenants that he has made with Noah. He had covenants that he made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel. From Jacob's line, you have Joseph. Remember the prince of Egypt and, and all of this clan ended up going into living in the land of Egypt. And then you have all these 12 tribes based on the 12 sons of Jacob. And then later, the, the Egyptians, after the Pharaoh had died, then, then the, the, the new Pharaoh basically said, these guys are getting too numerous. They're too, we're afraid that they're going to overrule us. And so basically, they put them into hard labor. If you're journaling through God's word with us, we're in Exodus now, and we read this story of these covenantal relationships that God establishes with his people. Well, actually, under the hard labor, and then God raises up a guy named Moses to help lead them out of this slavery into a promised land. You have Joshua getting them into the promised land. But then all of a sudden you see what God does to always try to bring people together. So he establishes judges in the Bible. In, in the Old Testament, there's actually a book of the Bible called Judges. What does that do? These, these are people who God gives supernatural wisdom to, to help people get along, to figure things out, to be a judge like we have today in our court systems. But he establishes these covenantal relationships. If you'll turn with me in Exodus chapter 19, we'll see one of these covenants that, that God has placed. This is so important for us to understand because it really talks about the nature of who God is. And remember, it's always have to put it through the lens that God takes the initiative to pursue us. We don't have to work to necessarily gain God's favor. He will, if we're willing to press in, he's already chasing after us. Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, this is now after they have the clans, the Hebrew people, were descendants of Jacob, the 12 tribes. They were numerous now. They were out of Egypt. 
On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim, Rephidim, and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. Now, when they say Israel, Jacob is, whose name got changed to Israel, he's now dead, but the people actually took on, the people group took on his name of Israel, and that's why we have that name Israel even today. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourself had seen what I did to the Egyptians, and now I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, And keep my covenant. Here's the word covenant. You shall be my treasured possession. Among all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You shall be my treasured possession. This is not an arrogant Oh, look what I have. You know, showing off your, your prized Gucci bag or something. It's not like you're that treasure possession you're trying to show off. It's, it's the relationship. You're my treasure. It's like a husband and a wife. When, when, when he sees his wife after she's been gone for a whole week and tries to pick her up at the airport and there's cars going everywhere, but your heart still lights up and your eyes light up and there's my treasure. She's back. That type of treasure, this relationship, this fellowship, this deep connection. This is what God wants. He says, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Covenant is very different than contract. Contract is what you do in business. It establishes relationship. I do this, you do this. We exchange something. Boom, done. It is not intimate. Contracts are not meant to be intimate. A covenant, on the other hand, is meant to be very intimate. It's a vow. You're covenanting husband and wife. When you get married, you're making a covenant, a vow to one another. Covenant's very different. God always establishes covenants to define the relationship. You see, when sin entered the world, there was a problem. It always would break the relationship with God or the fellowship with God. Not the relationship, the fellowship with God. And so God would establish covenants because remember back then, the Holy Spirit didn't dwell within people. The Holy Spirit occasionally would come upon people. But not like what we have today where we have the access to God and the Holy Spirit at any moment in time. We know right from wrong. We have the conviction inside of us. Back then, they needed to establish covenants, basically laws that would help protect the relationship, to help protect the fellowship relationship that God wanted. So when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, he got those tablets of stone, which are called the Ten Commandments. 
What he is saying is, if you will do these things, our fellowship will remain. But if you don't do these things, it will continue to break fellowship with me. And God's heart breaks. It's not a big, mean, bad God with a big baseball bat ready to play whack-a-mole. He's looking for us to say, I love you so much. And my initial desire was to be in fellowship with you. And every single time you do these things, which we call sin, these things that separate us, oh my word, my heart breaks because you're my treasured possession. And my treasured possession, I can't be in fellowship with you if you, if you keep doing these things. Because God's a holy God, just by his very nature. See, that's why it's so important to talk about you're my treasured possession because it helps us understand the very heart of our Father, which is to be in fellowship with us. And again, we have to remember that God is the one who always chases us down, just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He is willing to sacrifice Old Testament, an animal to cover Adam and Eve, to cover them up so they can be in right fellowship. The Old Covenant. Is actually. Was good. But wasn't as good as the new covenant needed to be. You see there was a shedding of the blood. And I think it was so important. Why did God have. The shedding of blood. The animal sacrifices. Because I believe again. God so needed to know. that He was for the people. For the person to come and say, you know what? I'm going to bring my little to the altar. I know. It's sad, isn't it? Uh, they weren't pets back then. They were, I just want to help you understand this. They were, they were part of your possessions. But yes, the unblemished, the, the, the excellent animals, you, you took them to the altar and to to sacrifice, to get things right. And why was it so important? God didn't need the shedding of blood. He needed it for us to say, you know what? My relationship is all right with you now. See, it's always been about the fellowship connection. But the problem was the Mosaic law that you have the Ten Commandments and then he goes into Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you start journaling through Leviticus, it's going to be painful a little bit. It's going to be a lot of blood. There's going to be a lot of innards and washing of things. and whew, It's a little weird. But it was all because God wanted to establish fellowship with us. <coughs> Unfortunately, there ended up being 600 and some laws, which are very difficult to remember them all. But again, it was all just to protect people, not to be this hard, oppressive type of do what I say if you don't. Now it was all about this lesson you're my prized possession. The challenge was 
And you take of the initial covenant, and basically God says, I want to be your king. But unfortunately, because of humanity and the way sin loves to work, the people began to look around and says, well, all these other pagan people over here, they have kings. Why don't we have a king? So they says, we need to establish and pick some kings. So God says, all right, you want kings? You can have kings. He goes, I want to be in relationship with you. But if you need kings, you want kings, okay, I'm going to give you kings. But it never was intended for that. Then God sent prophets and you know, the back old side of the, the Old Testament is filled with the prophetic books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Jonah, Zechariah. And this was God saying, I so care for my people that they can't really hear my voice. Again, like we have today, this is why when we get to New Covenant next week, it's going to be like, we're going to be like, we're out of the old, we're in the new. Yes! We're going to jump up and down because we realize the void that the Old Testament or the Old Covenant had. It was the laws that kept us in right fellowship. But today, we say the law has been written on our hearts. Not on tablets of stone. He's taken our stony heart and made it a heart of flesh. And it's talking about why? Because the Spirit of God is now inside of us. We have access to Him. But in the Old Covenant, it was God establishing the way to live to keep in right fellowship with Him. But again, He cared so much about the people. He goes, fine, if you can't hear my voice, I'm going to use some prophets to speak to my people. And he would do that. So he gave them judges. He gave them kings. He gave them prophets. But we read about the story. These people, these Hebrew people, they would come from, go into obedience, and then the, the sinful heart would always get them off on some crazy tangent, and then they'd go into captivity, and, and then they would like feel the burden, and then they'd turn back to God again, and God would say, yes, finally we're back into fellowship, and he reestablishes a good relationship. It's the people. God never says, oh, fine, you messed up. Go and get into captivity. Learn your lesson. No, he, it's just the nature of the heart led them to that. Their sin led them to these bad places. But God says, if you just turn your hearts to me, hear my voice, obey my commands, our fellowship would be there. Our fellowship would be there. You see, the law was a gateway to fellowship in part. But now Jesus is the gateway to fellowship to all. You see, the covenants were always made for a certain group of people in the Old Testament. It was for the Hebrew people, the Israelites. It was specific to them. God wanted to establish a nation and a people. And that's what we read all through the Old Testament. Now, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, he opens that up for everyone. No longer just for the Hebrews or the Jews, but for the Gentiles, which we would be considered the Gentiles. 
And we're going to get into that next week. And oh, I love the old covenant because it shows us the heart of God who always pursues us and wants to have right fellowship with us. But oh, I'm just so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit today. That we can be in God's presence always. And we're just so thankful for Jesus because we don't have to go bring our little to the altars anymore. We don't have to raise a bunch of little morning doves and come on, honey, we got to go catch the morning doves. Got to bring them to church today. Whack, whack. Oh, thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore. No, we just come because of Jesus. We can come and be in God's presence because of Jesus. And thank you, worship team, for bringing us into God's presence this morning. If the worship team wants to come back up at this time. Hint, hint. What's our takeaway today? First, you have to understand the very nature of God. We're created in his image. He always wants to, yes, be in a relationship with us, but that relationship will always be there. If your definition of relationship, it's one object relating to another object. Now, God, humans, not objects, but that's a relationship. Creator, created, relationship. But we've got to go beyond just understanding that God wanted a relationship. He wants fellowship which is intimate. It's not a contract that God has established with us. It's a covenant, which is, you're my prized possession. I want to be with you. And if you can remember that God took the initiative to make things right with Adam and Eve. Now, he did kick him out of the garden because they couldn't stay there anymore. They couldn't be trusted. But God made a way that they could still be in fellowship with him. Today, I want to tell you that regardless of what you've done in your life, God's not done with you. He doesn't cast you away. He doesn't want to be the whack-a-mole God. But he chases after you and me to say, would you come to a place of fellowship with me? To a place where we can be in such close proximity, intimacy, If you're here today and you would say that you don't have that closeness with God that you would like to have, all you need to do is say, God, would you just come be with me? See, the trick of the enemy is he makes you feel that somehow that you're not good enough, you're not clean enough, you're not perfect enough. Can I tell you something? I sinned this week. 
I can't think of it right now, but I know I did. And guess what? Next week, I'm probably going to sin because I'm human. Do I go on looking for sin? Do I go look for to do wrong? Absolutely not. Do I chase after Jesus wholeheartedly? Absolutely yes. But I don't have to be worried about waiting for Jesus to smack me. For God to whack me. But he does say this. If you obey my commands and hear my voice. So that's what we pursue. Hearing his voice. Being in his word to chase down obeying his commands. But why? Not to gain approval. Not to be in good standing. But to be in right fellowship. Father God with you, his son and daughter. Who he loves. That he calls you his treasured possession. Isn't that good? Isn't that amazing? It's true. It's veritas. This is truth. It's veritas. That you're his treasured possession. And he just wants to be in fellowship with you. Father, this morning, if there's anyone here that doesn't have a closeness with you, first and foremost, we know that it's got to start with Jesus. Without Jesus, we can't come to you there's anybody here who hasn't accepted Christ in your life, it's as simple as this. Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to be close to God. I want to know him as my father. I want to be his treasured possession. I'm sorry for messing up. I'm sorry for all the the wrong things that I've done. I'm no longer going to go that way. I'm going to chase after you and your word and Chase after a relationship with you. Fellowship with you. It's called repentance. When you turn and go the opposite direction. You're going this way, but now you're going to turn and you're going to chase after the direction of Jesus and God. You've confessed your stuff. For others of us who know Jesus, but somehow have been hearing the whispering deception of the enemy and says, you're not good enough. You you can't get close to God living that way. And I want you to hear the voice of God here. Would you just come to me? See, God pursues us first. And he's in hot pursuit for everyone here this morning. But he's just saying, would you allow me to reestablish the right fellowship? Father, I pray that you break off anything that the enemy has spoken for lies. The deception that today all of our ears and hearts would hear the Father's love. 
I love you, Susan. I love you, Bob. To hear God speaking your name and saying that he loves you, that's his voice. It's his spirit. We receive that love this morning. And we thank you for that fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.